Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and it reads as follows. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, <coughs> with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. All right, let's uh, pray before we get started. Dear God, we thank you that today we are in your house. We're here worshiping you. We're here to hear your words. We're here to give thanks to you for all your blessings. Lord, we ask in this Thanksgiving season that we always remember you, that we always give thanks to you, that we always love you. Lord, thank you so much. Right now, be with me as I try to say a few words on this topic to uh, hopefully share your message. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So today, we'll look a little bit about this topic, Thanksgiving, but not really. I mean, as usual, I have my own take and my own spin on these things, right? So we'll see what comes out of it and what we can learn from these verses here that do use that word, right? Thanksgiving. It's right here in the text. This text here talks a little bit about prayer and how we pray and some thoughts about that. And so I want to share my thoughts about that today because we know this. We know that human beings today, we've got a lot of problems in our lives, right? That's so much as obvious, right? We have trials, temptations. We have problems. We have sickness. We have hunger. We've got financial difficulties. We've got crazy kids. We've got all these things we've got to deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? Some things bigger than other, right? Sometimes it's just, oh, I'm late to work. Right? Or we heard Willie's Thanksgiving testimony, the exciting story of how he lost his phone, right? You know, sometimes it could be mundane, simple. Sometimes we face horrible things, right? We could have some horrible disease. Oh my goodness, I'm sick, I'm in the hospital. Or we get in a car accident, life and death situations, or whatever, this kind of things. All sorts of stuff that we face and how we face these problems, how we deal with these problems, whether it be big or small, is a reflection on how our relationship with God is like and how we view God. And it's important to understand this. It's important to understand this. That if we truly understand God and know God and know who He is, that we have no reason to fear any of life's anxieties and problems and questions. We shouldn't. Why is that? Why is that? We have to understand that God is in control. That's the thing. God is in control. God is our God. God, the creator of everything, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything, the one that knows everything, the beginning to the end, the alpha to omega, the A to Z, the start to finish, every second of every day, of every moment, of every thought and every heart of every person that ever was, that ever will be, that God is in charge. Our faith is in that God. 
Our trust is in that God. And if we put our faith and our trust in that God, we have a rock, a foundation, a firm foundation that shouldn't allow for us to have any fear, anxiety, or worry. That God is there throughout everything. You see, the world doesn't know the secret. They seek the answer in all the wrong places, right? Their attitude is that, oh, we got a problem. We need to look in the self-help book, right? How much money is being made every year by authors peddling self-help books? We have the answer to your problem, to your worry. You don't know what to, to solve this problem in your life, this anxiety in your life. Read my book. Only $29.99, right? Plus tax. A lot of people make a lot of money doing stuff like that, right? They say, oh, we got to find someone to talk to, right? There's some expert out there that can give you a talk and tell you, this is how to solve the problem in your life. You're sad about this, this expert will make you happy, right? They're looking around. How can I figure this out? Who can I go to? They're missing the obvious answer. The obvious answer, who do you go to? You ought to go to God. God, the creator of all. God in control of everything. God is where we turn to in all difficulty. You see, we have to have a relationship with God to carry us through all of our struggles in our lives, the trials, the temptations, the problems, the sicknesses, the accidents, the whatever. And we know, we know intrinsically <coughs> that, you know, from being around church so much, we know that our relationship begins, begins, begins with prayer. It begins with spending time with God, taking time to talk to him, to understand him. That's what that's what uh, our beginning point is, right? Have God with us at that starting point. So we know, oh, we've got to put our burdens on God through prayer. We've heard this a million times, right? You come to church, you hear about, oh, you got a problem, you got to pray, right? But here's the thing that I notice about people nowadays. Some people have gotten the wrong idea about prayer, right? Some people have adopted the, so the, what I would call like the pop culture version view of prayer. What do you mean by the pop culture version and view of prayer? Well, when you see people talk about prayer and TVs and movies, what, what is it? Oh, some guy is in the airplane and it's about to crash. And then that's when they pray, God save me from the airplane crash, right? Or they're on the boat and it's about to sink. And now they pray, God, save me from the sinking boat, right? And then, of course, some miracle happens and the plane doesn't crash. Or the boat doesn't sink or something like that, right? That's the, the, what I call the pop culture version of prayer, right? That's how some people think, right? Think about prayer. That it's kind of like as if it's like magic. Right? It's like a magical thing. I'm going to pray. And then, oh, something happened. Aha! 
there's like a cause and effect relationship and I can cause magic to happen by just praying. Folks, that's not what it said in these verses here. That's not the description of what prayer is like and what our Christian life is supposed to be like and our prayer life is supposed to be like. You know, how we pray and our attitudes about prayer are supposed to inform our attitudes toward God. That's our relationship with him, isn't it? It's our time spent with him. And what I observe, just from the world in general, is that prayer and the Christian walk is becoming more and more self-centered. Self-centered. It makes sense. We do live right now in the, what they call like the me generation, right? People in general are more self-centered. If people weren't self-centered, why do we have things like uh, Twitter and Facebook so we can post every moment, what am I doing? As if you think someone cares about you, what you're doing, right? I post on Twitter, I just went to this restaurant. You do that because you think someone cares. Oh, look at me. I went to whatever restaurant. I post on Facebook. Here I am at Disneyland. Look at my picture. Look how cool my life is, right? The idea is to share, you know, yourself. Oh, I'm look, at, look at me, right? That's the world we live in today, right? People are all out there saying, look at me. This is all about me, right? And so it is that people's Christian walks have somehow morphed in this thing that is also about me, myself, and I. When it comes to prayer, what people do is they think this, that, oh, I pray for something, then it happens, I made it happen. It's because I prayed, I did it, and then it happened. Give an example, like I give an example to high school people. It'd be like, oh, I prayed for an A on the test, and then I got an A on the test, therefore my prayer worked, I did it. Now you say, Norman, don't we talk about this all the time about, oh, shouldn't you pray before your test or you're going to get a good grade or whatever? Don't you mention that all the time or whatever? But look at how the people approach that attitude that certainly we should pray about everything, right? Including our tests and our trials and everything. But the people's attitude is as if the prayer made all the difference. As if, if I didn't pray, I would have gotten an F, right? But only because I, me, myself, I did something special, I made it happen. You see, a lot of people have that wrong attitude about prayer. It's like a wish list. My wish list. Aha, God, here is my wish list for you. And you must do what I say. Because I prayed for it, aren't you giving it to me? I prayed for the A, now you got to give it to me. Right? It doesn't work that way. It's not supposed to work that way. I don't command God. I can't say, dear God, give me a million dollars and give it to me right now. Where is it? Let me just check to make sure that didn't happen, right? <laughs> no, didn't get a million dollars. But that doesn't work that way, right? If it did, it really would be like magic that you can pray, oh, give me a million dollars. And then poof, you get a million dollars. There's some people that talk about our relationship with God as if that's the way it should be. That, yeah, you got to pray because you can make all these amazing things happen. You, got, you pray and you heal the sick. And you do this. These people on TV, you see it sometimes, right? They show like, oh, look, look at me. I'm so great. I prayed. This guy that was disabled, now he walked. How great am I? 
that I prayed for this guy. You see, they're missing the total point. They're not doing anything. This is the reality. Our prayer to God is about God doing stuff, not us. They've got the relationship all wrong. God is the powerful one. God is the one doing all the work and all the miracles and all the help and whatever. It really doesn't matter what you do. You cannot influence God to do miracles and this and that and the other thing, right? God is so powerful. It's only by grace that he listens to us, right? That he hears us, that he cares for us. Only through his love that happens, through his mercy. Because what do we deserve? We deserve nothing. We are sinners. We deserve absolutely nothing. I used this example before, right? The difference between us and God is as if as this big a difference between an ant and a human, right? If some ant came up right now and said, you know, Norman, I need you to uh, give me some food to eat. I'm hungry. Why don't you give it to me right now? I would say, you know, who cares, right? You're an ant. I'm not going to listen to you. Why should I listen to you, right? In fact, I hold your life in my hand, ant. I don't like ants. I'm going to step on you, crush you in a second, and then you die. Folks, that's just like us and God. We can pray and plead and do what we can, but really we're at his mercy. God is so much more powerful than us. He's so much bigger than us. He created the whole universe. What are we? We're an insignificant blip, a sinner that doesn't even listen to him. Should he listen to the commands of us? No way. Yet people more and more and more in their own walk focus more on themselves as if they are some great thing. I hear people say this, and maybe even some people in our church say this, hopefully it's just a slip of the tongue or a wrong thing to say, to say this, to say, oh, today I got someone saved. That's a wrong statement. You realize that? I got someone saved. Let me ask you a person who says that. Did you die on the cross? Did you take away anyone's sins? No. We don't get anyone saved. All the saving is done by Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross and his love for us. Jesus saves us. We are merely witnesses to God's work. We are witnesses to Jesus' salvation. That's why it's called witnessing, right? We are witnesses because we just see it happen. We didn't do anything. We didn't get the guy saved. We just shared the message. But Jesus did the saving, right? We share the message. Jesus did the saving. Otherwise, we wouldn't call us witnesses. If we did the saving, we'd be the Savior. That's not true, is it? Some people think this way more and more increasingly. That's about me. And one of the weird things that I, you know, example of this that I've just heard about in the news recently, as I don't know if you guys heard about this, is a new Kanye church. Have you heard about this? The Kanye church on the news, right? Kanye West, the rapper. Evidently, he believes in God, which is good for him. Good for him. Good. Glad to hear that he believes in God. And he wanted to serve God, I guess, but he came up with his own thing. And this is his Kanye church, right? I don't know if you guys heard about it. I, I, I only read about it in the news. So this is what I can tell you what I know about it, right? It works like this. 
Oh, at some point, he will like tweet out to all his millions of followers, meet at this place on a Sunday, and I will be there, right? So he'll say, you know, meet at whatever like big stadium, and I'm going to be there and show up for our church service. And you go to this place, and once he announces it, you got to buy tickets. The tickets cost however many dollars, and you buy the tickets, and then you can get into the Kanye church service, right? And of course, what's the highlight of the Kanye church service? The highlight is when Kanye gets up in front of everyone and starts singing, right? You know, that's, that's, that's his thing, right? That's his, uh, his thing. He's a rapper, and he sings, right? And that's the highlight of the service, right? So that, in his mind, is how he brings glory to God. But folks, I look at that, and I don't see a guy saying, oh, God, you're so great, and I want to serve you and humble myself. I see what? I see a guy that is trying to aggrandize himself. Himself. He's making this service about himself. Folks, we know what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say charge tickets and admission fees to get into church, right? We don't charge an admission fee here. Kanye charges admission fees again to his church. We know what God says about church. Church meets every Sunday to do his work. It doesn't say, church meets when I feel like tweeting it out to people at some random place when I have the time, when I'm not touring or recording albums or whatever, right? But in his world, it's just when I feel like it. It's like church when I feel like it. Kanye church, when I feel like it, right? And of course, the highlight of the church service is not the part when some guy gets up and sings. It's not Kanye advertising his next song, his uh, Jesus is Lord album or whatever, right? That shouldn't be the highlight. The highlight of every church service should be God, right? You guys aren't here to hear me or Melvin or even when we have like concerts and stuff. It's really not all about that. It's about glorifying God. It's about worshiping God. Is that our attitude? Or is it about me? More and more today, people think it's about me. But this is not the way God wants it. God is not just a helper or a buddy that we can say, Hey, I pray to you and you uh, do this for me, right? He's our sovereign. He's our master. He's our leader. He created everything. He controls everything. He's the one we follow, we worship. We do it his way no matter what. Even if it's against every bone in our body, even if it's not what we think is right, even if it's not the way that we think is cool or happy or whatever, it's God's way. So what does this have to do at all with Thanksgiving? Well, you see, there's a connection. There's a connection between prayer and thanksgiving. We're supposed to react to our daily problems with prayer, right? We know that. We have a problem. We have stress, anxiety, whatever, trials, temptations, this, that, and the other thing. We know your prayer. Prayer is the answer. We heard that a million times. But what about this? It says this in Philippians 4, 6. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So it's not just prayer when we make our requests to God. It's prayer with thanksgiving. So it seems kind of counterintuitive, right? Normally, when you think of thanksgiving, you think about this. 
You think about one thing happens, then Thanksgiving happens, right? It's like, hey, I go up to someone. I say like, Bill, Bill, give me $100. I need 100 bucks to do something. And then he gives me 100 bucks, and I say, Bill, thank you. I really need that 100 bucks, right? And then if Bill said, no, I'm not giving you 100 bucks, I don't say thank you to Bill. I say, screw you. I'm asking someone else. My real friend is going to give me 100 bucks, right? But that's not the way that God said it here. This is totally counterintuitive. He says, we say thanks along with our request, right? Even before we know the answer, we're supposed to have that thankfulness, right? Totally counterintuitive. Normally we think it's like, hey, you do one thing and the other thing. As we hear a lot about the news and today, right? It's like a quid pro quo, right? One thing happens, then the other thing happens, right? But with God, it's not like that. It's not a quid pro quo. See, prayer is about crying out to God. God, I need help. That's what we talk about when we talk about prayer, right? It's a crying out. And when our attitude, should, what should our attitude be when we're crying out, pleading to God, God, help. I need you right now for whatever it is, whatever problem it is. Our attitude ought to be one of thanksgiving. Why thanksgiving? Thanksgiving because it shows that we understand and we recognize that God is in control, that God has all the power, that we understand that these trials, these temptations, these struggles are part of what God has for us, and we thank him in advance that it's part of his work. We thank him that he has the power. We thank him that we can make requests to him. We thank him that we're doing his work. We're thanking him for that relief we know is coming. We're thanking him for that future glory that we have. We thank him that we can submit to his will, whatever it is. It says in 1 Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Whatever it is, we're suffering for a little while. It's just a little while. We gotta look beyond that and understand his power, his glory. We understand that. What should our reaction be? Our reaction should be thankfulness. Thankfulness. Even before we know the answer. Even before, oh, God, I pray for you to heal me of the sickness even before you heal the sickness. We have thankfulness to begin with. Thank you, God. I even have the power to pray to you. I'm just a lowly ant. You don't even need to listen to me, right? Why should you care what I say? I'm a lowly sinner. I've done wrong against you my whole life. God, it's a blessing that I can pray to you, that I can share my burdens with you, that you, the sovereign God, creator of the universe, take that time to listen to me. We need to pray with that attitude. The heart of prayer that has no questioning, no doubting, right? When you're like those self-centered people, they measure it like this. Aha, God, I'm praying for you to heal my sickness, and if you heal me, then I'll say thank you. Oh, you don't heal me? 
I don't like you anymore, God. I don't care about you, God. No thanks to you. Is that the right attitude or the wrong attitude? That's a self-centered attitude. That's the wrong attitude. To say that as if God owes you a debt. You didn't answer my prayer, God. I don't like you. You didn't do it right away. Totally, totally, totally inappropriate. Right? Think about those of your parents. Think about your kids. When they make requests of you, how annoying it is for them to be like, hey, you know, I saw this toy in the store. You got to buy it for you right now. I'm like, no. I'll buy it for you if I think it's appropriate that I'll buy it for you, right? I'll think about it. I have all the power, right, in this relationship. I've got all the money. I decide when we go to the toy store or not, right? I decide if I spend the money on the toy or not. Kid, you are totally relying on me. Only by my grace do you get that. And you know, it's true that sometimes the parents buy the toy for them, right? And other times, we decide they don't need that toy. They need something else. We know what's best for the kid. Folks, that's how it's like with God. We've got to put our faith in him. You know, we pray to God, God, give us this thing, whatever it is we need. God, I need this uh, new job to make more money or whatever, right? It's not a demand. We've got to trust that God knows what he wants. Maybe God is wise and says, you know what? I agree. You need this job. I'm going to bless you. You get this job. You're going to make more money now. Great. Good for you. Maybe God has wisdom. And say, you know what? This is not the right job for you. I'm going to send you to a different job. And it's going to be fitting the right thing. It might not be what you want, but I'm God. I know everything. I know what's best for you. I'm sending you this way. What's our reaction? Our reaction shouldn't be, God, you didn't answer my prayer. I really wanted that job. I don't care about you anymore. Our reaction should be, we have thankfulness for everything. Thankfulness that God is doing exactly what he wants in your life. To accomplish what he wants in our life. That's the difference. The difference is thinking about what he wants, not what I want. You see, when we have that attitude, the God-focused attitude, prayer itself releases us from worry. What does it say in verse 7? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Right? In verse 6, it says, pray, let all your requests be known. And verse 7, look at what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, let your requests be known, and then verse 7, all your requests will be answered. It doesn't. It's, let your requests be known, and verse 7, what do you get? What's the result? What is God going to give us? He's going to give us peace. We get the peace of God. How great is his peace? It passed all understanding. We have that comfort that once we put that burden on God, it's not on us anymore. It's not on us. It's on him. Our burden is relieved. We say, thank you, God, for taking my burden away. We know this in Romans 8.28. It says, we know all things work together for good. We say, God, whatever it is, I'm suffering, I have pain, I have sickness, I have no money, I have, uh, you know, all these uh, problems at my work, my family, my job, whatever it is, we know you're in control. We know you don't promise everything we want as much as we would like it. 
We would sure like it if it was like the way these self-centered people think, that we could just snap our fingers. And God, you healed my sickness. The cancer's gone. The AIDS is gone. The whatever disease you have is gone. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But no. Instead, he says, you get peace. You have confidence that God is taking care of you. You get that confidence that, hey, I have cancer. I'm dying. I have peace that I know heaven awaits me, that a better life awaits me, that a God is loving me, that he's placed loving people in my life, a whole church community around me. You know, some of the most faithful people I've seen are people in that situation that I've known in my life, the ones that are facing these horrible, life-threatening diseases that would make people think, wouldn't your reaction be and my reaction be like, God, I'm turning away from you. Why am I made to suffer and do all this harm? But to hear their testimony, to hear them share, God is good. God is good all the time. God is good even while I'm doing the chemotherapy. God is good even good when I'm doing the radiation. That's such a powerful message. When I hear testimonies like that, I just go like, I can't believe it. I don't know if I have that kind of faith. But they have that heart because it comes from recognizing who is their God and being so thankful that they're blessed. Each day becomes a blessing, right? Each day I survive one more day with my cancer. It's a blessing. It's something to be thankful to God for. We don't realize that, that all the blessings we have to be thankful for every single day. God is blessing us. God is giving us his mercy in all things. All the things we don't think about every single day. That's God in our lives. We have a roof over our head. We have food to eat. We're not dying of cancer, all of us here. And all, we can say all those things. Is that something to be thankful for? all the time. I sure think it is. Last point before we wrap today. Next week we'll be having our Thanksgiving testimony. It's one of my favorite Sundays. I hope to hear from all of you guys. We've got to be thankful in prayer, but wouldn't it be nice also to be thankful in public, to share with everybody the message of Thanksgiving, that yes, we have a God, an inspiring God, no matter how big or how small, how normal, how abnormal, God is good all the time. Wrapping up here, the quote from K. Arthur, Arthur, it says this, God is in control, and therefore in everything I can give thanks. Let's pray. Dear God, we're in the Thanksgiving season now, and we talked a little about prayer, and this is an eye-opening verse that I read that you know, maybe even I don't think about sometimes, but how important it is to have the heart of thanksgiving while we pray, even before we get or not get whatever it is, that we always be thankful, that we even have that right to pray to you, that we have your grace and your mercy all the time. And of course, your salvation, your wonderful, wonderful gift of salvation. We should be thankful for that all the time and always be thanking you and praising you in our prayer. Lord, sometimes people lose sight of that. Some people are so focused on themselves nowadays and me, 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 and what I want, and their prayer is just like a checklist or a wish list. No, 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 no. Our prayer should be praise and worship and glory too. And I'm hoping next week we'll have true praise, worship, and glory when people share.
their Thanksgiving testimonies and all the great things that you've done in their lives. I uh, really, you know, it inspires me to see how faithful your servants are in this congregation. Lord, we ask you to be with us the rest of this week, that we have a good Thanksgiving with our families and friends, and that you gather us here again next Sunday to worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.